Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, the podcast where we cook up a delicious blend of cybersecurity, privacy, and data protection topics to serve you a hearty bowl of insights. Whether you like your gumbo spicy with a dash of encryption or prefer a milder flavor with a side of compliance, we've got you covered. So grab a spoon, sit back, and let's dive into the pot of data protection gumbo. Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo. I'm your host, Demetrius Malbro, and we have a fantastic show lined up for you today. I have Owen Casey on, Vice President of Cybersecurity and Strategy and Product Development at Own Backup. Owen, how are you today? Great, Demetrius. Doing well. Thank you for having me. All right. So, yeah, super excited to sit down with you and kind of tap tap into your knowledge and, and pick your brain a little bit about software as a service and incident readiness and response. And so, uh, but before I do that, I, I want to give just a little detail on you and your expertise. Um, so Owen expertise, it spans incident response, digital forensics and cyber risk uh, mitigation. You also have extensive experience investigating complex crimes, and you've also helped organizations handle severe security incidents, including network intrusions of international scope. Uh, And so at Own Backup, you are uh, developing proactive solutions for SaaS data protection and predictive security analytics. So let's, let's dive into a little bit of that. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to bring my experience from dealing with the problems in the traditional infrastructure over into the cloud. And that's the, the big challenge. Yeah, it is. And first, let's let's tap into why did you decide to get really granular and maybe get specific and direct your focus on SaaS data security anyway? Well, I, I saw organizations moving at, at speed to push a lot of their mission critical data into SaaS platforms, but without adequate adequate protections. And that, that kind of scared me. But I always have a personal motivation to help prevent harm and try and uh, do that when we're dealing with personal data. So I see, I see a number of gaps in the SaaS data protection, and that uh, kind of spans the spe- shortage of expertise, uh, the, the technical solutions that we have available to us for preventing and for responding to problems and risky activities in the SaaS platform. So that was the motivation to, in part, but I'm personally motivated to create cloud-native incident response capabilities for SaaS. Okay, and, and when you say cloud-native incident response capabilities, what what exactly does that entail? Well, if you think about what we have right now, it's a lot. A lot of what we're doing is downloading data for analysis, but you're dealing with a, a whole host of issues that you know I probably won't bore you with from my perspective, but some of it's technical, uh, getting into the connectivity and the completeness uh, of the copies, but also from an evidential standpoint, you're dealing with problems of authenticity, proving that it you know, is a complete and accurate representation of the source and the integrity, like how do you compare it to the original? So in general, what I'm, what I'm seeing is a lot of the solutions that we have are, are not in the cloud along with the data that we're dealing with. And so we really, for, for SaaS, we generally have to get closer to the data to address all of those technical and evidential problems. But I, I also feel like uh, we, we do need to get deeper insights. And so taking advantage of the cloud, some of the scalability and uh, 
And just the, the, the fact that we can be alongside the data, that really I help, I think helps us uh, get tools that are more capable to analyze this increasing quantity of data in a new environment. Awesome. And so that, that's, that's pretty interesting. And um, if, if you could maybe go a, a little more in depth just around, uh, like, and I'm, I'm also curious as well, like what, what's wrong with some of the existing solutions, especially when it pertains to SAS data protection and, and, and specifically so drilling into incident response, because there are things out there like ransomware. So, right. Right. That's, yeah, that's the, we haven't seen SASware ransomware yet, but I think we should expect to see something of that scale soon. But you're, you're asking kind of what are some of the problems that I'm seeing right now in the capabilities that we have in the SAS environments. And really what I'm seeing is we, we have capabilities to detect potential problems, but that's not really a solution when it comes to dealing with the problem and investigating it. And so what we really need is some deeper uh, security insights through the analytics that you kind of mentioned earlier and showing us how to fix the problems, uh, ideally giving us some sense of the solutions, uh, but also a, a way to investigate uh, the, and recover quickly, I would say surgically and reliably from those incidents, especially if it's impacting a large amount of our SAS data. We, we have to get back in business as quickly as possible. Okay, so uh, uptime, things like recovery time objectives, recovery point objectives become like really important things for a company to understand because they're mission critical and their business critical applications. If they were to go down for, you know, whatever that number is, maybe seconds for some, minutes for others, and hours for uh, maybe most of uh, the world when it comes to just operating um, data and businesses, um, just overall from an operational and availability perspective, what what have you seen just overall from a SaaS data protection perspective that maybe CIOs and CISOs should care about when it pertains to just SaaS data protection in general? What you, you're exactly right, Demetrius. The having having some of those objectives really helps. I think put a fine point on what you need to do in preparation for these problems. And the, the disruption that can occur when you're dealing with a SAS data loss or corruption or downtime, as you say, if it's unavailable for a period of time, if you're not prepared, it, it can be more than days that it takes to recover, right? So the, the ideal situation is that you can, as I said, kind of surgically repair, you do a precision repair on the data that you need to, or that, that was impacted. If, if you have to go back and restore everything from scratch, that's going to take a lot longer than really any, I think, organization uh, should tolerate. And so what I'm, what I'm seeing is a shift towards the, that faster uh, recovery, uh, being able to be precise in, in what you're repairing, but also being prepared in terms of process and, and the people that are, are trained in how to deal with these incidents. That's, that's as a kind of at the mention at the beginning, there's a shortage of these specialized, talented folks who have a knowledge of SaaS environments and the ability to deal with these problems. So it's not just a technical problem. Yeah. Okay. And let's let's get a little personal. What what are your biggest fears when it comes to SaaS data protection? I, I know you, you you speak for for the greater good of, you know, just you know, what's being built 
behind the scenes. But just just from your own personal expertise and your experience, um, like what 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 scares you uh, when it comes to SAS my data biggest protection? fear is that really that many organizations don't realize the responsibility uh, that, that we have when it comes to the, their SAS data, and so they're not prepared, right? They're woefully unprepared. I would say unprepared for even a simple problem like like we're saying some of just a small amount of their data getting uh, corrupted, whether it's by inadvertently or, or moving towards ransomware that is, is pushing into the SaaS environment. So I, I, actually a prime example is the recent Krebs online security uh, report of some of the Salesforce community data leaks that, that came out earlier this month. Um, we've known for some time that that's been a problem, uh, at least since last year, but many organizations just haven't had the, they're still not protected against those those vulnerabilities. And, and so I fear that if we're not taking care of the basics, then we're really not prepared prepared for these major disruptions that I think will impact critical services when it comes to SaaS or ransomware, which start yeah, will start eventually reaching into Salesforce, ServiceNow, and the, you know, Workday and Microsoft Dynamics environments. That's my biggest fear: that disruption of critical services. Yeah, and m- maybe you can give the Gumbo listeners uh, and also organizations. Overall, how they can just be better prepared for, you know, some of the things that you just mentioned around, um, you know, being afraid of things they should watch out for in, in order to keep their their data more secure. Yeah, I would say there's three you know, well, preparation, 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 but there's three types of preparation I would recommend for any you know, success in this area. And the first would be to identify the, the data that's at risk. Right. So. If you don't know what, what's most at risk, you're really not being effective in, in what you're protecting, prioritizing. So taking that step and figuring out what to protect first or protect more um, with, with stronger controls. The, the second, I guess, preparation is to plan, right? To have a plan in place for the worst case scenario and not be in a situation where you have to panic when a problem occurs. So that a plan for business continuity, I'd say disaster, disaster recovery, but also incident response mm-hmm. and recovery in, in the SaaS environments. And then the third um, preparation would be to practice. So not just to put a plan on, together and put it on the shelf, but make sure that the people in your organization are trained and uh, know how to follow the plan and also go through uh, the, the steps, maybe even do a, a practice drill to try out some of the the steps in your plan and make sure that covers the situations that you, you, you anticipate. Usually when you run through that type of practice scenario, you'll, you'll find unexpected maybe gaps or issues that need to be addressed. And that's a continuous improvement process. So doing that regularly, I think is a good practice. We've, we've actually started to do that with more of our customers. Um, At own backup, I I helped develop a, a process called the data recovery readiness and response uh, dr3 for SAS, and it goes you know, through through preparation and drills and then also when a, a problem occurs support to get back in business you know it's really needed in the industry um nowadays to get right to the crux and the, the root of the problem and which, which organizations though are are you seeing and which which do you think are at the greatest risk when it comes to incidents impacting SAS data? The ones that we're seeing have the biggest 
uh, I guess, hits or biggest issues when when a problem occurs are the the highly regulated organizations. So, you know, healthcare, mm, okay. uh, pharmaceutical, financial services companies in particular are getting um, the regulations are getting more strict, and the penalties are are going up. So, the, the also government agencies uh, are kind of in that category because they have the most to lose. So they they're moving so rapidly, I'd say in the next two to three years, there's a push to move a lot of their data into the cloud. And when when uh, th that's happening without sufficient attention to security or, or, or the resiliency, then you run into, I think, not just the, pro the problem of dealing with the incident itself, but also the regulatory fines and penalties that come. And rep and reputational harm ultimately. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we we've definitely seen our our share. I think I just read something. I think the the uh, city of Dallas. I mean, they are hurting right now. They they were impacted by a ransomware event, and they're still trying to recover some of the critical services just to bring everything back up to before the attack. So it's something you know really to pay attention to uh, as well. I was I, I'm I, I'm from Baltimore, so, or you know that's my home, and so you know Baltimore City and the schools have been hit mm -hmm. again and again over the past couple of years, mm -hmm. and it's very disruptive. It, it you know it has an impact on us individually as citizens, and when our data gets gets taken, that's a that's also a personal impact. That's something I'd like to get ahead of if we can. <laughs> yeah, and, and j just to let you know that this is really not. The real Demetrius, this is AI. That's right before you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Demetrius, the gumbo, data protection gumbo, GPT. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we have to throw some of this in there because artificial intelligence is real hot right now. And all this talk around open AI and chat GPT and regulating artificial intelligence. And there's the doom and gloom part of it where it's going to, what is it going to do to humanity, right? Is it going to enable the bad guys to, to be worse than they are today? Or is it going to enhance the good guy to be more of, you know, a, an automated uh, and glorified angel, right, to, to kind of do more? But I'm sure we'll see some of all of that. But wh where do you see uh, AI and ML, machine learning, Helping with SaaS data protection. So I, I'm. I think I'm. I'm excited. I'm, I'm quite optimistic. It's an area that I'm particularly interested in. I've been working in um, kind of the automation and a analytics, but moving into machine learning and deep learning has put me into a position where I see great potential. Uh, certainly, one of the areas that I I'm focused on is learning from patterns in the data. In historical data to be able to predict, uh, perhaps look for deviations, non-obvious problems as they occur, and be more proactive in our ability to deal with them. So that's I see great potential there already. Um, an another area that is of interest to me is the reuse of of knowledge. So solutions to past problems in in my field in, in security. Uh, but also in instant response, taking those solutions and reusing them. That's something that the new, you know, generative, the GPT, you know, the generative AI is very 
effective at, and that's something that some of the, a lot of the cloud providers are looking at. But I see that it's just the beginning. And but one of the things I will say is I've over the years learned that you know I've automated myself out of a job to a degree, but usually the uh, there, there's a limitation of what the technology can do, and there has to be a human in the loop. And so ultimately, how I view this is we're developing better computer assistance for humans to make decisions. And that's how we should look at it. Mm. Have you seen any of this prompt engineering hoopla around like being able to, I think they're paying, they're paying them like up to 300 and something thousand dollars a year. No, no prior experience and prompt engineering be to be able to communicate with AI in such a way that it enhances the response that you get back. And I guess it's an art to getting out of, you know, let's say chat GPT, what you really want um, instead of just willy nilly typing in something and, and getting back just a generic and hallucinated type response. <laughs> I, I think there is a, a skill. I, I'm kind of more interested in the opposite is how do we develop systems that are more robust against the, let's say the bad questioning, you know, the, the, maybe the person isn't asking the right question or mm. they're asking questions intentionally to throw things off. That's a, mm -hmm. a, right. a, a somewhat of a concern from, I, I would say the manipulation side of things. So I, 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 that's always going to be a really interesting part of the, the I think the technology that we see now is how, it responds with human interaction, but also then how humans, how we can be more critical, making sure that we don't just take the result as truth, because I've seen enough examples where it's giving you what it what it thinks is the right answer, but it's mm -hmm. completely wrong. Right, right. The hallucination, right? That's the word. Yeah, and we have to be um, much more critical. And so it's going to be a challenge, I think, from the human side is how do we we're not doing a great job right now i think in in developing humans who are critical in their thinking and their evaluation of data we have to do better at that but mm -hmm. the technology may push us yeah yeah have you seen transcendence the no. 2014 movie with johnny depp in it no i haven't <laughs> you should see it it's in a, in a nutshell dr will caster and i may completely butcher this plot but He's like a famous or a professor at a university, super smart guy, and he developed uh, an AI system to uh, to become sort of sentient. So it's learning and it's growing and it's almost like at a point where it's thinking. So he dies and, and uploads himself to the computer. And so he lives on through the computer and his wife and think business partner or something are interacting with him through the computer and then it I won't tell you anymore, but you, you gotta see it. No spoilers. Excellent. You definitely gotta see it. And it's this was a twenty fourteen movie and I always I always say that in order for us humans to make a movie and we think it's science fiction, if the human brain was able to think of it and also develop it and put it into a movie and put it on a screen, I think it's possible that that technology can exist. So it's happening today. Yeah, um, the one thing I like about the, the 
arts, like the movies and, and the portrayals of these things, is it gets us thinking about things maybe a little before they ha- they actually happen. But you're right, we if we don't do that, right, we we might end up in a place where we don't want to be. And yeah. So I think that the arts the arts have a great place, and you know, Blade Runner is one of my okay all time favorites getting us to think about is that what are the consequences what's his name blade runner so that's uh yeah harrison ford in the mm-hmm. so there was the original but the, but are you talking about the director or the main actor the main actor i, I thought uh i can't remember his name another guy was in it too oh uh rucker Hauer was the one of the one of the yeah, droids okay yeah well, I'm, harrison harrison ford was the decker but yeah, it's, it's, I guess we're, we're di- yeah we're digressing <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. It's good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, and but before I let you go, what what are you reading? What's what's on your nightstand? Anything interesting for oh, us? Oh yeah. Um, so actually, Aldous Huxley, Brave New World. So it's the Ooh. engineering of humans. Yeah, <laughs> an oldie but goodie. Yeah, yeah. It's good to you know, like you said. It's it's really I think important to think about. Where we want to go with these, with, with these capabilities, the, the the technologies we can develop, and some of the things that could happen if we if we're not you know, being okay. intentional. Well, awesome! I uh, really appreciate you taking time out to. Well, yeah, go ahead. I'm really grateful to you, Demetrius. You, you. I mean, I when I was starting to look more at the SaaS environments, you kind of got me oriented early on, and, and uh, yeah, okay, introduced to it, and, and your, your podcasts are really always great and so really appreciate your you know getting getting me on here and and all of your great work yeah thank you fantastic i I appreciate that and i just keep keep um showing up in front of the camera and the microphone and having these conversations and also try to trying to bring on anyone right anyone who has a message anyone who has a word anyone who has knowledge about things that i may not have in depth so it's important to make those connections and build those relationships outside of your day-to-day, you know, day job, you know, what they, what they pay you to do. Cause uh, I necessarily don't get paid to do this. I just jump on and, and have conversations about things that interest me and, and things that I think would interest others. Yeah, so keep us informed um, and communicating, building the community. What are, what, yeah, what are you reading yeah. now? Let me, let me ask you that question. <laughs> uh, actually I am reading mastering the complex sale. It's, it's a book from, 2010 i want to say so uh (laughs) i thought i had it near me but it's way over there i don't want to get up to get it but it's about selling toward the value of and getting to the root of a problem instead of just trying to sell features and functions and capabilities you're asking the right questions um because everyone now has there's so many solutions out there and customers are now, they're like inundated with solutions. But in order to break through, you have to really tap into what's important to them. What are their pains? What are their problems? And figuring out, okay, what's that business application that you can't do without? If it goes down for a second, the business is hurting. People are, you know, really, they can't do, do their job and the revenue is, gen- is directly tied to that particular thing. Um, you know, it's going to, it's going to cause some problems. So really having those conversations and really kind of being surgical about being that trusted business partner really 
instead of just um, trying to sell a solution. Cool. So, yeah, yeah that's that what I'm reading. Work. Mastering the complex sale. Yeah. Well, all right. Oh, and I appreciate it. And um, I'm sure the gumbo listeners will take take away some nice nuggets and pieces of information from from our discussion here. So um, I, I also maybe do you want to share like maybe a Twitter handle or so, yeah, follow I, you on LinkedIn or I, something? I, I really am only on LinkedIn, so I, I don't have Twitter. Um, yeah, Facebook, I kind of leave that to the the younger generation but <laughs> yeah and so yeah linkedin has been my my place you, should, you want me to share it um i, I can put, put, put you can just you can just email for you yeah right? just just tell the okay. um the listeners look you can you can follow you can follow ian just on on, on linkedin ca- and on he, he I, says he it's, uh, yeah it's it's the old uh it's an old i guess play, play on words I, I had when i was thought i was smarter than i am and that yeah i'm linkedin it's c-a-s-e-i-t-e so all right okay yeah. well um also before i i end the episode wanted to mention the backup and recovery professionals linkedin group that i run there are over 20 how many Twenty five thousand people now all storage backup recovery security um from admins, administrators, engineers, all the way up to the top, top of the boardroom, C level executive. That's a growing so, number. That's yeah. So please, please go out, growing. go out and check, check it out, and join, join that group. There's lots of great conversations going on as well. So I appreciate it once again. And uh, folks out there, make sure you you stay secure and back up often. So take care. Thank you. Have a good one.